I'm going to try to stick according to my notes as much as I can, because th- this is going to be a little on the, on the different side this morning, but the Holy Spirit has been talking to me for a while about this idea. By the way, styrofoam cheese, if you're wondering, okay, cheese. We tried to make it look like cheese it, it, as much as we could, and, and, and props out to Jake and Hallie who came out last night to help me. And, and, Jack and, that was on purpose. I'm so, I'm so used to saying Jake and Hallie, sorry, 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 Hallie. Sorry, Caitlin. Look, I've, she's, she's, okay, so, so this is kind of how it ends up being. When your youth pastors, the, when we came in 2012, January 15, 2012, was kind of our first, we, we came in on motorcycles, and, and or on a motorcycle, and Laura came in with her motorcycle helmet, everybody was like, she's, she's a biker chick, so it, it was funny. But the average stay of a youth pastor was nine months. So the fact that we've been here for seven years that not only says something about CLF, but it's been really cool to watch. We have those that we call our OGs or our, uh, our, our original gangsters that we've had since the beginning. And Caitlin's one of those since the beginning. So, and I've lived on her parents' property. We, we, we tease a lot. So, all right. So first of all, we're going to start this thing off. I want to make sure we're all on the same page before I go anywhere close to this, right? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask a few questions. At the end of every question, I want you to answer... Jehovah Jireh. Somebody tell me what Jehovah Jireh means. God is my provider. God will provide. That's how, that's where, that's, we're starting off there, right? So when I ask, whose church is this? Jehovah Jireh. God will provide, right? So when I say, when we walk through difficult situations, who do we look to? When we feel overwhelmed, who do we look to? When there's a lack in our lives, who do we turn to? When change occurs, who do we belong to? We're getting the point. When change occurs, we don't look to Pastor Mark. When we feel overwhelmed, Chris and Laura can only help so much, right? And, and the reason I'm stressing this point is that our entire church right now is in a season of change. And I say that, and some of you, like, instantly, like, everything puckers, and you're like, oh, Change can be absolutely fantastic. Like, j- just think about some of the students graduating high school, graduating college, Pastor Mark coming on full time, MSP constantly growing. Like, I- I'm-, I'm loving seeing the, the building, the-, the stuff that's building all the time. And now I'm sitting here going, all right, Lord, bring Lord of the harvest, bring in people to help us with some of this, right? New ministries beginning. And there's one more change I need to announce this morning before I continue with the sermon, and I'm going to stay with my notes, and we'll go from there. So, and, and this may hit some of you out of left field. Try to realize some of this. There is no good way to announce change, like, right? Like when Brian announced new ministries next week, last week, some of you were going, wow, royal, royal who? Royal daughters, royal rangers, all the royal stuff, right? So, here we go. As of last, really as of this week, Laura and I are officially stepping down as the youth pastors of CLF. So, first of all, before we go anywhere after this, you need to know we're still here. We're staying here, okay? That, that, that's the first question everybody's asking. Are you good? No, we're not going anywhere. Um, so I, I'm going to tell you that, and then I'm going to explain a little bit before I start the sermon, okay? Um, we're, we're still here. We're, we're going to keep teaching the teenagers. Pastor Mark is actively looking for a person or a couple to kind of come in to take, the, take into the next season. Um, but we're going to stay until that transition period comes and we can safely hand it off to somebody, right? Um, Laura's taking care of Princess, uh, the Princess Club starting in August. 
I'm still on the advisory council. All that to say, we're not going anywhere, all right? So, so we're, we're not, so that's the first thing. Let me kind of tell you how this happened before we go into this. Around six months ago, probably, the Holy Spirit started speaking to me, telling me that, uh, telling me that he was getting ready to bring someone else in to guide the teenagers into the next season. I avoided it. I was talking to Sean this morning. I didn't even pray about it. Because I'm like, well, God, that's not you. <laughs> when you've poured yourself into something for a long time, you don't want to let go. Just to be perfectly straight. You don't want to let go. I love the teenagers too much. I love the graduates too much. And, to be per and then I read something in a book that said, you know, it's just as wrong to stay too long as it is to leave too early. And then I started realizing I'm actually hurting the teenagers that I claim to love by staying when someone else should be coming in. <clears throat> and the idea the Holy Spirit told me is he said, Chris, right now, if I bring someone in to help the teenagers, there's no gap. There's nowhere for them to plug into. When somebody's been there for, like, if God brought somebody in right now that's the perfect youth pastors to come on, eventually do full-time, and it's great youth pastors, they're going to look at our youth ministry and go, well, those guys have been there eight years. I'm not going to, like, how do you have that conversation, right? So the Holy Spirit said, Chris, you need to create a gap that's, that I can bring somebody else in to take the teenagers to the next, into the next season. Uh, I believe that CLF is preparing to walk into its golden years. Please hear me on this. The season that CLF is about to walk into is going to be the season that when you look back at in 20 years, you can go, I remember that switch. Like, we're walking into that. You're part of that movement right now. I see that coming. Pastor Mark sees it coming. The leaders of the church see it coming. Now, there's going to be new growth. There's going to be new staff. There's going to be new volunteers. There's going to be new ministries. But understand this. God has to put the pieces into place before he can bring the growth. Like, why are we starting new ministries? We only have a few kids. We have to have the ministries to handle the growth when it comes. In the same way, God needs to have the right people here to run the youth ministry for the change that's coming. I was talking to Pastor Mark last week about this. You realize Calera doesn't have, a, to my knowledge, there's not a massive youth ministry presence in the, Calera, in the Calera area. This guy was a youth pastor for how many years before? 14 years. <laughs> that's kind of interesting. He was a youth pastor for 14 years. We're on 13 right now. Youth pastor for 14 years before he's a pastor. So youth ministry's always been high in his heart. So A... Please understand this. You and your kids will be taking, taken well care of. This is a youth pastor who is now a pastor who wants to take care of your kids as much, if not more, than I do, which is not possible, really, because I've been with them every week for a long time. So here's the deal. Pastor Mark's going to find the right person to fill the shoes. And I, I don't know if you've thought about this. For those of you who have been here with us for the full journey with me and Laura, you realize there was a moment where nobody in the room outside of family knew us, right? There was a moment of apprehension of, oh, oh my gosh, who's Mark bringing in, right? There was a moment, if, if, if I announced that this morning and, and you have that pit to where you're going, oh, what's, what's coming, realize that was the same pit that was there before me and Laura came. I think in five years, I told Sean this this morning, I think in five years, Aiden's going to look back and go, Chris and Laura, were you fat? Really? Like, God's going to bring the right person or people in for the next season. Who do we trust? God will provide. We either believe that or we don't. I'm a big believer in seasons of life. I'm about to get on with the sermon. 
I'm a big believer in seasons of life. As a church, we're walking into a new season. And as a couple, Laura and I are walking into a new season. We're loving the mentoring that we do and some of that stuff. But let me be, let me be honest with you. Youth ministry takes a lot of thought time, and I adore it, and I love it. But the new season for me and Laura, we would literally be halting CLF and halting ourselves if we stay. So I'm, I'm not going to keep beating that dead horse. But I honestly believe Laura and I were here for a season, and someone else is supposed to lead the youth group into the next season. And please understand this. I, I really hope at the end of this, this is not a big deal. I don't want this to be a big deal because the youth ministry was never about me and Laura. I appreciate the fact that we've had the opportunity to feed into the teenagers here, to the young people, but ultimately, this is, we are, without downplaying it too much, we're cogs in the kingdom, man. We're, we're, we're placeholders to feed in as much as we can to people while we're here during the seasons, and then God's going to bring the next person in, and that is, that's the next cog, man, and the kingdom continues. It's been an honor to be in that place for a while, but the kingdom's going to continue, man. This is about the kingdom. This is not a, this is not a, oh, Chris, look, we're still here. <laughs> we're not going anywhere, right? You're still going to see us. You're still going to see my face up here. Sorry. So, but I want to read a text that I got from Pastor Mark so you'll hear his heart, okay? This is what he said. Make sure people know that they'll be taken care of. We're asking God and we're actively seeking for the right folks to help take us to the next level in youth ministry. You see, we're asking God to bring us someone who can give the necessary time to the teenagers, and eventually the heart of Pastor Mark is to bring a full-time youth pastor on. I mean, we're not there now, but how cool would it be one day, for those of you who remember the annex, and we had somebody in the annex, from that was before my time, but we had somebody there in the office all the time, right? That, that's where we're heading. But that's not something Laura and I can do with the next season we're walking into. God needs to bring that person or that couple in, all right? So I'm wide open for questions after service. Laura and I are. I have no problem fielding questions. There's nothing to hide. There, and, I, and I had somebody else ask, is everything okay between you and Mark? There's zero, there's zero animosity here. This is not a Pastor Mark asked me. I actually approached him on this. And he actually said, I've probably seen it coming too, and he didn't necessarily want it. It's one of those things, guys, when you're somewhere for a long period of time, change can hurt, can it? And now I'm going to kind of transition into a word that I think that God's brought to my heart this morning. Because, again, go and raise your hand if you feel like you're walking through some change or massive change right now. And, and, let's, and, and now let's go here. How many of us are actively afraid of change? I can admit that. Now, now how many of us know somebody who is actively afraid of change? That's probably going to be everybody in the room. And you know what? That is most of the time, that's denial. <laughs> There's a lot of us that will say, oh, I know somebody who's afraid of change. But I'm, change is an intimidating deal. Why? It's because the idea of change changes our position and it moves us outside of a comfort zone that we've grown to know. And Laura and I have been comfortable as youth pastors. And the only thing I took solace in this week is my pay doesn't change. <laughs> and for those of you who don't get the joke, we, we've been volunteer for all seven years. So, but, so, so here's the deal. I, I want to get into the cheese thing, right? I want to get into the cheese thing a little bit. But first, I want to go to Scripture. All change, and here, here's the point of the sermon this morning. All change can be looked at as good or bad, and it totally depends on your focus. It totally depends on your focus. Let's talk about some Bible stories. Look at Moses. He had to leave the comfort of his father-in-law and family to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Can you imagine Moses? He, we all think of, let my people go. He was a shepherd in his father-in-law's sheep herd. 
And he was just walking one day and runs across God in a bush and it changed everything. Moses could have handled change much poorly than he did. But now we look back at the story and we see that, it, that he handled it well. Joseph, he didn't choose any of the changes, right? Joseph had change forced on him. Has anybody ever had change forced on you from the outside? Probably something that we're even walking in through now, right? People force change from the outside, but notice how Joseph handled it. Every single time he seemed to have handled it with his focus on God. With this focus on what are you doing now? What are you going to bring out of this? Didn't mean he wasn't frustrated through it. It's perfectly allowed to be frustrated during change. But the question is, where is our focus while we're frustrated? Where is our focus? Look at Noah. I didn't, never thought about this until I was preparing the sermon. You realize at some day, I don't know when the day was, Noah had a full-time job pro- like providing for his family. He had to choose one day to quit the job and become a full-time boat builder. How do you have that conversation with your wife? <laughs> hey, I know we got a good steady job. I know we're providing and all this, but God's called me to build a 3,000-foot boat so because it's going to rain. What is rain? Like, like, we're, we're, like can, you, can you imagine this change she's having to walk through, right? She got in the boat, though. <laughs> Think about Joshua. Joshua was Moses' second in command. And when Moses died, Joshua had to step up. And I really thought this was a bit, a bit um, ironic that the Holy Spirit put this in here. God's going to bring a Joshua in here, guys. Like Moses, in a sense, if you want to look at this metaphorically, Moses had le- has led the people so far. And now God's going to bring a Joshua to bring them to the promised land, okay? So, so think about Joshua. He was always second in command. When it was his turn to lead, everything changed. Everything changed. Think about David. His life was full of changes, man. I just had to write this down. From a shepherd to a warrior, back to a shepherd, an anointed king, but still a shepherd, a musician for the king, to a wanted renegade, to a leader of renegades, to a beloved king. Constant change, constant change, constant change, all right? And David could have handled it poorly, and certain times he did, right? So understand this as an early little caveat here. Just because you've handled change poorly at one point doesn't mean you're going to handle the next change poorly. You can handle the next change well. Think about Esther. Love the story of Esther. Um, She had to choose her purpose over her comforts. If you don't know the story of Esther, very shortly, she was a Jewish lady as a queen, And she heard that the Jews were all going to be wiped out, so she needed to go ask the king, but she knew if she went before the king without permission, she could die. But she knew that her purpose, Mordecai said, what if you've been placed in this position for such a time as this? You need to go. So she had to take all of her comforts aside and go, my purpose is first. And everything had to change. She had to risk that. Think about the disciples. They immediately dropped their nets and followed Jesus, right? All of a sudden, one time, they've got a full-time job. Jesus said, come be fishers of men. People around them probably thought they joined a cult. I mean, I mean, we, we laugh, but think about it. Like, let's put real life into the Bible for a second, right? Like, these were men with jobs, with families, and along comes this guy and said, drop your nets, follow me. Bam. Everything changed. So look at three scriptures. They're not on the board if you want to write these down. Deuteronomy 31.8. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, And the Lord... He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. And some of you that are going through change this morning, that verse is for you. Deuteronomy 31.8. 
The Lord goes with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. Don't be afraid. You don't have to fear change for change's sake. And a verse I'm going to throw in, a verse I'm going to throw in here just for the heck of it, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. I think sometimes we fear change simply because it's a cultural expectation. When something changes, we're just expected to fear. No, 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 wait a minute. We don't live like the world does. We're supposed to be different. The Lord has told me, he, I trust Him. Who is He? Jehovah Jireh. He's going to provide. I read a book this week that said, you know, it's funny how people say one thing and believe something else. It was on belief systems. So people say that they believe that God's going to provide for their finances. In the next breath, they're talking about worry and fear over about a car payment. Is he Jehovah Jireh in the ups and the downs? Is he Jehovah Jireh in change and instability? We've got to figure that out. Or, well, I take that back. I love what Pastor John said. What we believe about truth doesn't change truth. He is Jehovah Jireh in our ups and downs. What, how that affects us determines if we recognize that or not. Do we recognize that he's Jehovah Jireh in the ups and downs? The next verse, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. I apologize, he's on the board. Isaiah 43, 19. Some of you, this is for you. It says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. You ever had a new thing spring forth? Hey, surprise. Hey, we need volunteers in the nursery. By the way, we still do. Shall you not know it? I love that. I love, listen to this. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I'm reading a book again right now called Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung. It has got to be in one of my top 25 favorite books in the world because he tells millennials the truth in a way that is millennial language in my generation. I'm, I'm right in the, I've always been a confused person. I was born in the last year between Gen X and millennials. So I'm like, which, which, am I a rebel or am I this? I don't know. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? We tend to treat the will of God like it's this mysterious thing we can never know. God wants you to know where we're going. You know where we're going? CLF is going into a time of growth, going into a time of its golden years, going into the best time we've ever seen, time of provision, time of new ministries, time of changing the city of Calera. Shall you not know it? You're going to know it. So when change comes, I, I'm going to challenge you this. Talk to people. Talk to your mentors. Talk to your sponsors. Well, I don't have a mentor. Well, that's problem A. You need somebody you can go to and talk to about some of the changes that are going on in your life. But you can know some of these things. Okay? I will even, the verse says, Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Well, God can't come through here. Tell them that again. <laughs> Tell them that again. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, well, I'm going I'm to dare them that I can't drive a Dodge Challenger, Cindy says. That's not the point. Okay? But there's a whole lot of us that are going to say, well, God, there's no way you can save that person in my life. Like, aren't, aren't, haven't they gone too far? Tell them that again. He can make streams in the desert. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. It's on my wall, and I know it's on my nephew's wall. Have I not commanded you, be strong and be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. <laughs> so the biggest issue that we have with change is that it modifies our position and our surroundings. There's, there's an article I read that says, just because you feel anxious does not mean that something bad is going to happen. All right? Like we tend to think that that feeling of anxiety that comes up in us, we go, mm -mm. automatically we tend to go negative. Why? 
Romans 12, 2, because we've conformed to the patterns of this world. If you have constant good inputs coming in, if you're constantly putting in Scripture, one of the things I love about where I know that Savannah and Laura are going is they're going to be feeding the young girls their identity in Christ. You are royal daughters. You are princesses, children of the king. Here's who you are. You're holy, chosen, dearly loved. All these things, if we're constantly inputting that, then it's going to be a little harder. There's no brain space for Satan to be able to work his little junk in. But the problem is most of us aren't putting enough of the good in, so there's plenty of room for Satan to put his junk in. And then we wonder why there's so much anxiety. We've got to shove it out. There's something called the law of replacement. A lot of people just try to get rid of negative stuff that goes on in their head. You can't get rid of negative unless you put it back with positive. It's a biblical principle that Jesus actually said, if you go out and get out the strong man, if you don't have somebody move in, the strong man's going to move back with seven of his buddies. So it's like, well, I'm just going to think really hard and mentally make all my negative feelings go away. Good luck. Yeah, people have been trying that for years. No, the only way to get rid of the negative is by inputting enough good and enough scripture, enough promises, enough memorization that you shove the rest out. How do we handle change? First of all, it's not even in my notes. Flood yourself, immerse yourself with scripture, with biblical principles, and ways that you should live. I'm proud of some of the MSP leaders. They're walking through a book right now called 40 Days to a Joy-Filled Life by Tommy Newberry based on the book The 4-8 Principle. The whole thing is how to mold your thinking around biblical principles like Philippians 4, verse 8, and Philippians 4, 6, 2 Corinthians 10, 3. How do I mold my life around these things? Let me give you one snippet from that book this week. You realize that clutter messes up your potential for joy? And I'm not just talking about physical clutter, because in day 39 of this book, he talks about there's different areas of clutter. There's physical clutter, there's spiritual clutter. There's emotional clutter, there's mental clutter. And he makes a statement, he says, clutter is anything that takes up your time that doesn't bring joy in, God's joy into your life. All of us have that stuff in our lives, right, that just fills up our time. Have you ever had a week go by and you're like, what did I do? What did I do? Maybe it's because we got so much clutter. And there's ways to do it. So what I'm saying is when you go through change, keep Scripture in front of you all the time. You know the worst thing you can do in a time of change is not be here. Not being around godly association is the worst thing you can do during change. But it's the first thing we want to do, right? We want to isolate. We, we want to be to ourselves. We want to avoid the good, the good association, good atmosphere. Listen, please, please understand this. You don't owe us anything. And I, 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 I probably wouldn't tell you this in a one-to-one setting, but I can tell a group this. You don't ever feel like you owe Pastor Mark to be here. I, Pastor Mark needs... You need this. I'm not disappointed in you for not coming, right? You're, you're, you're not a terrible person for not coming. There's going to be situations. I, I get it, man. But here's the deal. Here, here's what I know. When you come, you're stronger. When you don't come, you're going to be weaker. Even if we don't do anything. Last night, we got together and painted, and we cut the cheese last night, right? <laughs> We cut the cheese as a group, man. If you're listening to this on audio, I've got styrofoam cheese here in front of me. That's going to sound funny on audio. So we got to get, so guess what? We, we got a little stronger last night. So here's the deal. I, I don't ever want you to feel like Pastor Mark is holding a guilt, the sort of Damocles over your head or something. It's, it, there's not a guilt thing, man. I just know I want you here. I like seeing your face. So when I like seeing your face, guess what? You also add to the communities. And if somebody else is going through change, You've got a story of how you're handling change and we're growing together. I'm off my notes. 
So let's say it again, all change can be looked at as good or bad depending where we focus. I would encourage everyone to own the book, small book called Who Moved My Cheese? It's one of my favorite books in the world. Um, it's very simple. It's a, like a 90-page book. Honestly, for some reason, you can find 100 copies at the thrift store. You can get it for like a buck a piece, like a buck 50. Go get it at the thrift store. It's a, hard, it's a hardback copy is the one I've got. And it's like 90 pages, but 20 of the pages literally have a full slide piece of cheese, and it has a principle on it. So it's only like 60 pages. It's not a big deal. But I'll tell you what, the principles in that little sucker... It's like the book of James, man. It's five chapters long, but you need to read it 20 times to make sure you get everything out of it. Who Moved My Cheese is the same way, and I reread it this week, and it's so applicable, and it's so full of principles that I want to go over a few principles with you. And I'm just going to outline the seven principles that he goes through very shortly, and then we'll come back up and do some worship, then we'll get some backpacks. Because <laughs> again, here's the deal. Yes, Laura and I are stepping down as youth pastors after seven years. But that's not the point. The point is that he's Jehovah Jireh, he will provide, he has always provided, he's proved himself over and over and over and over and over. It's like one of the first times when I found out that my dad had passed away, it's, it's the statement that comes to my head every time when my mom asked, if God takes your dad tonight, are you going to stop trusting God? And my first statement was, why stop now? Like we, we, guys, we've done this for years. This doesn't really change a thing. It simply means God's bringing somebody else in, the kingdom's going to continue, and CLF is going to take off. So with these seven principles, whether it be in CLF or your own life, I'm going to challenge you this. I'm not, I can't tell you, I was talking to Jen Chapman this morning, I, I can't tell you how to apply these into your life. I can simply provide them to you, and you've got to figure out how to hook them up in different places of your life. Does that make sense? Some of these are going to challenge you a little more than others. The ones that challenge you are probably ones you need to look at and go, I need to do that a little bit better. And if you have any questions, I have no problem answering them afterwards. There's a statement in here before we go into the seven principles that says this. And this is what the author says, because the book is a metaphor. It's a story about two little mice that are going through a maze looking for cheese and two, li two little people. And they say little people because it's people. And his, his point is, after the cheese goes away, the mice just instinctively go try to find new cheese. But the people start overanalyzing. What happened to my cheese? Who moved my cheese? What happened to my cheese? Somebody took my cheese. I'm entitled to my cheese. Somebody's going to pay me back for my cheese, right? So, so here's what the author says about cheese and capital cheese, okay? Each of us has our own idea of what cheese is, and we pursue it because we believe it makes us happy. If we get it, we often become attached to it. And if we lose it or it's taken away, it can be traumatic. So cheese could be whatever, right? Cheese could be whatever. So here's the principles. Principle one, change happens. They keep moving the cheese. Sometimes I wish that time would stop and I could just enjoy a moment, right? Like I've, I've, I've had some of those moments. This, I'm a big reminiscer, man. I love reminiscing. The teenagers know this, especially about OGs. Like I, ev, ev, February 1st of every year, we have a sweater vest night, which is a celebration of when Laura and I came. We end up having all these pictures, and I spend a full day on the pictures, getting the slideshow ready. And they're like, I've already seen these. I really don't want to see them again, Chris. But I'm a, I'm a big, I, I wish, I, and thank you for putting up with my neurosis here. But here's the point. Don't you wish sometimes time would just stop? Like, wouldn't it be nice? It doesn't. <laughs> right? So there comes a point to where we need to be able to accept the fact that change is going to happen. But realize this. If things didn't change, Laura and I wouldn't have come to CLF in the first place. They're like, well, we don't want to see you go. Well, we came in the first place because change happened. 
Like, change is what brought that around. So change could very well be the best thing that's ever happened to CLF. At one point, uh, let me see, change will happen. Change will happen, denial's unhealthy. Number two, anticipate change. Get ready for the cheese to move. Prepare when you're able to. Now, I know there's sometimes you can't anticipate change. You can't always anticipate it. A, a good comparison would be when my dad passed away, it was bam. It was fast, right? Pastor Mark is having to watch his mom slowly, slowly, to where he's able to prepare mentally a little more. Which one's easier? That's not the point. The point is sometimes change is thrust on you, and sometimes you're able to prepare over time. So when you're able to prepare, prepare. Change is most difficult when it comes out of nowhere, I understand. But realize even when it comes out of nowhere, whose responsibility is it to handle the change correctly? Mine. It's still my responsibility to handle. Remember, what are the three things we can control? There's only three. Our inputs, our attitudes, and our actions. When change happens that I can't control, well, what I can control is who is my God? I'm going to trust him when things change. Number three. Monitor change. Smell the cheese often, right? I love this. We did the same idea, and, and some, some of you are like, one of these things just doesn't belong here. I, I appreciate Kaylin for bringing this in. We did this for a fall retreat years ago to where we did the same idea. And ha have you ever had the idea that sometimes you can feel change coming, but then you realize it's not quite time? Like I did this whole thing for the teenagers like three years ago because I felt a shift coming. Didn't think it would be us leaving, but it's like, I just, I felt change. So, sometimes you can feel it when you monitor it, when you look for it. So this is actually Kaylin's piece of cheese. Now, at the end of the service, some of you may be reminiscing people like me. I like to have something visual that represents something that reminds me. So we made these for you to take them home. Not this one. This is Kaylin's. But you can feel free to take one home. I will tell you this. I've learned this from experience. Do not put these in a purse or something with other things. It will crumble. Experience talking here, okay? In fact, if you see the little white stuff outside by the dating tables, it's because we did this out there and I forgot to get it. Anyways, <laughs> I finally got a box and learned my lesson. So realize this, you've got to monitor change. There's things in your life, sometimes you need to monitor that. Have you ever walked into somebody's room that had a terrible smell, but they couldn't smell it because they were used to it? Don't look at somebody, that was rude. So, Allow me to say this, and maybe some of you need to write this down. Guard your life so that you smell when your comfort zone is getting moldy. Guard your life so that you smell when your comfort zone is getting moldy. Maybe you've been stuck in a routine that you need to change. Let me challenge you this. If you've gotten into a routine where Sunday mornings look the same, start volunteering somewhere. Start helping somebody else. The best thing you can do to get out of a rut in your life is to go serve somebody. It's the best thing in the world you can do. And there's a lot of opportunities at CLF to serve. Guard your life. When you start getting, now, here's what you're not supposed to do. Cindy, your, your comfort zone is getting moldy there, dear. <laughs> hey, Darlene, change it. You need to start changing. No, no, no. Smell your own comfort. Don't go around smelling people. That's just going to be weird. Okay? But you need to monitor your own life and start smelling. Have you ever kind of woken up 10 years later and kind of, or not 10 years, you ever woken up 12 months later and just kind of gone, I, I think something needs to change. Like you're not, like you're, you're not really smelling yourself, but you almost are. You need to monitor that. Number four, adapt to change quickly. 
I'm going to make this statement that he made and then I'm going to change it a little bit, okay? He says, the quicker you let go of old cheese, the sooner you can enjoy new cheese. <laughs> Understand this, because again, we've been, sorry, we've been culturally trained to think that letting go means forgetting. No, letting go means Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Write this verse down. Hebrew, if you're having a hard time with change, write down Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says this, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You realize sometimes it's not the sin that weighs us down, but it's things that we should have let go a long time ago that we should be chasing forward, but instead we're living in the past. There are some times and some things you don't need to forget. Any of you forget me, I'm going to come haunt your house. While I'm alive, okay? I don't, the point is not to forget Chris and Laura. The point is to take what Chris and Laura said and go forward with it. I'm probably going to take my soapbox home. Well, not probably. I'm taking it home, right? And for those of you who don't understand, I'll tell you later. But here's the point. But here's the point. When the new person or couple comes in, I'm not going to stay in the youth meetings looking over their shoulder and micromanaging them. I want the new person or couple to be free to run. I don't want to become a weight that slows them down. So how does this look in your life? In your life, probably there's something that you're, you've moved on from, but you're living like this, right? There comes a point to where you need to let go of old cheese. I've seen people do this with college. They constantly talk about the college years, and they're 30, and they're 35, and they're always talking about the past. Let, let me challenge you with this. Sometimes it's a past that seems bright because what they're walking through is difficult. I've talked to MSP girls before that are like, well, we didn't, this, this didn't used to happen. And I'm like, the only reason you're saying that is because you, you're living life like this. Like, I see my current problem that's stressing me out, and I can't zoom out and see how terrible things really used to be. People of Israel did it. Mo <laughs> they're, they're hungry. They're simply hungry. And they whine to Moses, Moses, we got fed in Egypt. You're forgetting your beat. You're forgetting you were slaves. You're forgetting, you're forgetting all that stuff but all you can think is because you're hungry. There's, when change happens, the quicker you can... Now, and one more thing before we move on. This is not an easy process, and this is not an overnight fixed process. But like again, we were talking with Jen this morning. Change is about some things you need to change and get better at over time. So you know what this opportunity with Chris and Laura is? It's just another way to practice how to handle change. And guess what? Next week when something else changes in your life, it's another chance to handle change. You're, that's why if you want to take a piece of cheese home, remember, how do I handle change? And if you go online, you can find these seven principles. Or after they're all up, you can take a picture. I don't care. But what I want you to do is I want you to be able to adapt faster. Not forgetting the things that are behind. Well, that's not what Scripture means. But not forgetting, but taking off the weight and not letting them slow us down. Number five. Number five. Change. Just simply change. Move move. The book says just do something. Here's the point of what that book says. Stop praying for God's will and get out of your house. Like, my favorite part of that book that I've never, I could talk about that. I could totally switch right now. From I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to give you one thing. You know the reason that millennials and Generation X people have so hard of a problem of finding God's will? It's because there's too many options. You know, you know, generations way past, there weren't as many options. You'd have, hey, 
I'm, I'm, what are you going to do for a career? That wasn't a question. My parents have a farm. I'm taking over the farm. Like, what are you asking me about? In fact, the author asked his granddad, granddad, did you ever ask about the will of God? He said, I don't understand the question. He said, there were two girls in my town. One I was related to, the other one I wasn't. Right? Uh, but, but I want you to think about this logically. When we're, if there are fewer choices, isn't the, isn't, isn't the will of God a little easier? Right? Now all of a sudden we have 100,000 choices and we think, what do I do? So it paralyzes us in fear because we have too many choices. If, if you have a pro- hard time making choices, I would t- you can tune out from what I'm saying or wait till the end, I don't care. Go order that book from Amazon or something. Half books, I don't care. Just Do Something by Kevin DeYoung. It's a short book and it's hard-hitting. Read it and make sure you're not going to get offended when you read it because he's very straightforward. But here's what I'll tell you. Change. Don't change for the heck of it. Like some of you, like some of you may be going, he's giving me permission to leave MSP. No. No. There's a season for change. And there's a season that you need to be faithful and stick it out. One of the biggest issues in the church today is that people don't simply stick with the local church for the long term. They get their, they get their feelings hurt and they take off. Let me encourage you to stay. Would you agree that a season of change is an easy time to run? We just, I just want you to put yourself in, in somebody else's shoes for a minute. Do you think it'd be easy for me and Laura to go find something else and do something else right now? Yeah. Well, like, I mean, for us, it'd be easy. It's time to change. Yeah. We're, cut, we're cutting ties. Woo. Number one, no, I love way too many of you way too much. I've told Pastor Mark he's going to have to outlive me because he's doing my funeral. So we're with CLF. But, here, but here's the point. Sometimes you need to put a stake in the ground and say, this is it. And when everything changes around me, I'll change, I'll adapt, but I'm not running. Some people think change is run. Change isn't running. Change, yeah, running is change, but it's really the negative change. You need to smell the cheese not because you're uncomfortable, but because you are comfortable. (laughs) Let me say this real quick. I have no clue where this came from. We're just going to go here. You're not supposed to change as much when you're uncomfortable. That's probably when you're supposed to stay you're really probably supposed to change when you're so comfortable that you don't realize you need to change. That's not a general, overarching, always true principle. But let me just encourage you, in the low times is not when you need to stop. In the low times is when you need to stick. In the high times, and if you start smelling the cheese and you're like, things are going really well, but things, I I think a change needs to be happening. That's when you talk to your mentor and you smell the cheese and you change. All right? I don't know who that was for. It was for somebody. Number six. Enjoy change. Enjoy. I, this is why I want to say this whole thing with me and Laura. I'm making a big, I, I don't mean to make a big deal out of it. I wish I could have just preached and said, oh, by the way, Chris and Laura and I, youth pastor starting today, bye. I, that's how little I want, I want to minimize this, okay? I want you to enjoy this change, man. Enjoy the change. Like, here's the crazy part. We announced this to the students and the parents last week as much as we could. And I had a 20-minute conversation with one young person I haven't talked to in a year and a 15-minute conversation with another that I barely talked to in a year. Why? Because when change happens, you have the chance to enjoy it. But so many of us just have this negative view because we're conforming to the world, and when change happens, it's negative. You can savor change. Yes, this is a point about optimism. Anyone can be a pessimist or a realist. But honestly, it's not what we're called to. We're called to be joy-filled. 
We're called the fruit of the Spirit. Nowhere in there does it say realist. Nowhere in there does it say pessimist. The fruit of the Spirit, by the way, how many fruit are there? One. One. One fruit that involves these characteristics. Like a lot of us think, well, I'm doing well in this one. Well, we're not called. Well, I'm going to skip self-control. That's just not my fruit. No, that is your fruit. The one fruit of the Spirit involves love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all these things that are supposed to be coming from our lives. If they're not, guess what? It's time to change. It's time to change. There are very positive things about new blood coming into a church staff, man. There are very positive things about it, about new ministries. If you're not excited about this, about rainbows, you need to talk to Michelle about it and get some of her excitement. If you're not excited about Royal Rangers, talk for 30 seconds to Brian or Sean. If you're not, if just spend any time and... Here, you know one of the things I'm excited about? This is a change I'm going to savor. I'm not going to get emotional here. Sometimes when a husband is called, a wife is also called, but ends up coming along more. Laura is going to be able to do more with the kids than she's not been able to. Right? Like, and again, she's loved youth ministry. That's not the point. I'm not saying she's just hated it, want to leave. But the point is sometimes when I've held on too long, Maybe Laura smelled the cheese needed to move for a while. But now, because this change is coming, she's going to get to thrive in a way that she's not living in Chris's shadow. This is a Laura and Savannah ministry, right? But here's the deal. How easy would it to be, well, we're not in youth ministry anymore. <laughs> Savor change, man. Find every positive you can out of it. Make, make you know, you know what we're really called to do? People in the world should get tired of us being so positive and joyful. But to be perfectly honest, they can't tell the difference, so they really don't care. If I can be straight with you. When's the last time somebody asked you why you were so happy? That comes out of the 40 days to a joyful life, by the way. Number seven, be ready to change quickly. Do it again and again and again. This isn't the last time something's going to change, guys. No, I don't have anything in the pipe. Like, this is all I got, right? But this isn't the last time. Change is going to happen. Change is going to happen in your personal life. Change is going to happen at CLF. But who do we serve? When we're uncomfortable, who do we serve? Who do we lean on when we're weak? I hope that resonates in your heart. Like, do you all remember the sermon who was here a couple years ago when Pastor Mark stood up here over and over again and said, bloom where you're planted? That stayed in my head for like six months, man. Bloom where you're planted. It was on Facebook. It was everywhere. You know what I want going inside your head? Change hurts. Who do I serve? God will provide. Who do we trust? The answer is not Chris and Laura. The answer is not a previous ministry. Micah, you can come on up. The answer is not somebody who used to be at MSP. Right? The answer is not my sponsor. The answer is not Pastor Mark and Lorna or Cindy. We trust Jehovah Jireh, our provider, whose grace is sufficient for us. So the real question is, do we believe it or do we just say it on Sundays because we want to fit into the church crowd? Do we believe that he is going to provide? One last verse that I'm going to leave with you and write it down. If you don't have it memorized, memorize it this week. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. I love that. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. What's my number one word in that whole verse, do you think? 
Trust. Trust. Trust can mean leaning on. Trust can mean standing on. Trust Him, guys. Anytime you face change, trust. Well, I don't understand it. Trust. Well, that sounds like blind faith to me. If you can have blind faith in anybody, you have blind faith in the promises of Jehovah Jireh. That's who you, you, I don't dare want you to have blind faith in me. I will let you down. I will hurt your feelings on accident. It's just going to happen. I'm, I'm human. But the one that you can have blind trust in is Jehovah Jireh. He's proved himself over and over again. Ask Pastor Mark, ask Cindy, ask anybody who's been serving him for a long period of time. They will tell you he's worthy of your trust. 